Welcome to the Gallipod with me, Gala Placidia. In this episode, I'm reading chapter four of The Bolt Hole, a new fic I wrote with ADMI and Tebra. If you're not here for Drary fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning. This episode contains an explicit sex scene, and this story deals with themes of grief and hoarding. I hope you enjoy The Bolt Hole. Chapter four. Draco wished Harry could have waited to shave until after the bed situation had been resolved. It was truly nightmarish to have a freshly cheekbony Harry Potter crawl under the covers with him, all close body heat and restless legs, and then say goodnight into the short space between them before turning around, falling promptly asleep. Draco lay awake for hours, concocting dubious plans of seduction, all of which ended with Harry moving back to London, becoming an aura, and marrying Ginny Weasley. He could not stop remembering how good it had felt when Harry had lain on top of him after the roof caved in, the way the frantic rush and buzz of his thoughts had gone into a deep, quiet warmth, something hot that felt like it was sinking all through his body. He had not thought much, and certainly not anything coherent. He'd been able to feel when Harry dropped off to sleep, and even that was fine because Harry was still hooked around him, plastered over him, and Draco was soft and safe beneath him. Once, Harry had reached up idly in his sleep, and tucked some of Draco's hair smooth where it must have been tickling his nose, then let his hand lie there, close by Draco, his big palm and long fingers. Draco had gazed at them, dazed, his eyes drifting closed into sleep, and had the space of mind for one entire thought, just one sentence, and a very embarrassing one. I am all yours, you can have anything you want from me. It had felt very simple just then. It did not feel simple now. He wanted it to happen again. He waited for it to happen again. It didn't. It was almost light by the time Draco fell asleep. When he woke up, Harry was downstairs, clearing out the kitchen. There were several full-bellied garbage bags in corners, boxes getting filled up rather than spilling over. You meant it, then, said Draco, and realised in saying so that he hadn't expected the trend to continue. Distantly, he could hear the thatcher still working on the roof. Meant what? asked Harry, straightening up from a box. In one hand he held a pre-war Japanese salt shaker, in the other a dildo. Draco tried not to look at it. That you wanted to clear out the house, said Draco. Oh, said Harry, glancing at the objects in his hands. He seemed suddenly to realise about the dildo and put it back in the box. Yeah, yes, you don't have to help. Draco leant against the doorframe. Harry was much easier to read now with his face back, and he looked shy and sad and not quite so brooding, not quite as threatening. He was more explicable. He looked like a boy who might conceivably think the best way to comfort a stuttering idiot was just to lie down on top of them until they stopped shaking. Hermione says it doesn't make sense for me to come back until they've resolved the cursed treasure case, he said. He looked away from Harry's mouth and instead inspected the oily stove. So I've nothing better to do. All right, said Harry. Thanks. His smile, now clear and bare on shaved skin, folded Harry's cheeks up and was a terrible assault. Draco gave an annoyed tch and scratched a nail at the oily residue on the oven handle. And despite the fact that Harry's face was a little hard to look at straight on at times, and despite the fact that every now and then Draco had to lock himself up in the loo to catch his breath, and despite the fact that Harry being nice now somehow made it all worse, despite all of that, it was surprisingly fun helping Harry clear the house. The things in the boxes were so riotously strange. "'Holy water from Lord's,' said Draco. "'Donate,' said Harry. They were in the study. Harry lay on the sofa, his arm over his eyes, and Draco sat on the floor holding up objects for Harry to sort. "'Is this... Harry?' What the fuck is this? Harry shifted on the sofa to look at the thing Draco was holding. A hoop skirt, said Harry. Why on earth? 
It was when I thought I could be a fashion designer, said Harry. Don't laugh, I was drunk. It lasted about half an hour, but I had time to order a lot of shit by the time I remembered I can barely dress myself. I'm binning this, Draco told him. We should throw the whole house in the bin, said Harry. I would be inclined to agree with you had I not stumbled across that diamond in the back of the cutlery drawer, said Draco. Yeah, but I don't think my gemstone phase lasted that long. There's only so many diamonds you can buy over the phone. We're sorting through it, said Draco. And then, with a bit of hesitancy, it's what Pinky would do. But Harry didn't react much, not in annoyance, and not with anything else. He just kept his arm over his eyes and breathed. Harry went away and rented a car, because there were too many boxes for them to carry to the charity shop without magic. Draco heard the noise of it coming up the road, an easy rumble, because he was sneakily levitating the boxes out from the hall into the front yard and keeping an eye out for Harry's neighbours. He went forward and leant on the gate, folded his arms over the wood. It made him feel romantic and tragic to be waiting there for Harry to arrive home, and Harry pulled up in front of the gate and grinned at him. It was a muggle car, not one that Draco recognised, ashy chrome and gleaming. I didn't know you could drive, Draco said, as they hauled the boxes down the path and into the boot. He stumbled over the uneven cobblestone path on the way, and Harry absently took hold of his elbow, steadied him. Took the box, as though Draco couldn't be trusted with a cardboard container of antique candelabras, serving dishes and two pristine hairdressing kits. Draco watched him go up the path alone. He flexed his newly empty hands by his side, breath caught high up and whining in his throat. Harry, oblivious, said over his shoulder, Oh, I mean, I never took proper lessons. I kind of just figured it out. But you have a licence, Draco said, frowning. Harry flashed him a grin. It was awful now that Draco could see it in full. It made Harry look wild and handsome, like he was sixteen again, facing Draco down on a broom. The kind of challenge that had never stopped driving Draco crazy. I mean, sort of, he said. That's why I can only rent from muggle places. Harry was not lying. Draco supposed it would break some Gryffindor code of honour. He would clearly never be given a driver's licence by anyone in their right minds, wizard or muggle, and they veered through the quiet countryside roads and into town at top speed. Draco should have been infuriated. Hermione would have told Harry off and taken the wheel. Ron, who was prone to nausea, would have been green to the gills and begging Harry to pull over. Draco had always known he wasn't good enough for them, and now here was the proof, because he didn't want to curb Harry's bad instincts, idiot ideas, sheer recklessness, and he rolled down his window and threw his arm out and clenched the other hand in Harry's hair and howled with delight, and Harry's grin didn't go anywhere. They were both breathless when they screeched to a halt in front of the charity shop, and people were already gathering to tell them off, and Draco tumbled out of his side of the car and caught Harry, their arms hooked around each other's necks. He'll kiss me now, Draco thought, but Harry's grin was fading, and that old, worried line was folding back in, and so Draco said, Tell me the truth. Were you aiming for cows? Is it an act of vengeance? You get me, Harry said. Later, in bed, Harry turned on his side. I wish I had met Pinky, he said. Draco lay on his back and looked at the ceiling. There was, tragically, more space in the bed now that they had cleared the clutter away. A cool gap between them. Draco was experimenting with touching his fingers into the space and then dipping them away, leaving a hint of warmth like an invitation. He would have made fun of you, he said. Probably about right, said Harry, with a yawn. He had one, just the one, slightly crooked tooth. Draco saw it out of the corner of his eye. Harry added, Did you like Ron and Hermione? Everyone likes Ron and Hermione, said Draco. <laughs> so full of shit, said Harry. Draco wondered if the roof might cave in again, if he could make that happen for himself. If he could go through the whole act all over again, and in that time, Harry would climb on top of him and take him. He wondered if there was anything he could say, perhaps, to set it all in motion. He settled on. Good night. Harry paused for a moment. Draco could feel his eyes through the darkness. Reach out, Draco thought at him, a command, as loudly as he could. It was a strange and warped kind of longing, 
this lost and desperate sense that he might do anything if Harry would just ask. Would turn his body any which way, would put his mouth wherever it was wanted, if he just knew that it was wanted. He'd always been very clear with himself in past relationships, had decided for himself what was allowed and what wasn't, and had indicated the rules very clearly. I will not do that, he would tell his partners, half undressed, on the bed or on the couch or at a bath, but I will consider doing that. He found that with Harry five inches to his right, an unclear entity of desire followed by avoidance. He had no clue as to where his own limits were, what he wouldn't say yes to if given half the chance. Then Harry turned over onto his back and said, Good night, and fell asleep. In eighth year, Draco had been horrified to discover that he had a crush on Ron Weasley. His solution had been to flirt outrageously so that no one would ever suspect him. It had worked remarkably well. Two years after they left Hogwarts, a year after Draco had moved in with Pinky, Ron had asked Draco about it. Draco had just made some joke about how Ron was welcome to sleep over in his bed any time he liked, oh yes, please, when Ron frowned and said, How much are you joking when you say things like that? They were walking through Camden Market. Hermione was a few paces ahead of them with Ginny. I want to kiss you all over your face, said Draco. Ron glanced at him. But in a... a friendship way. Bit weird, said Ron. I don't know, I'm grateful to you, said Draco. It's okay if you have a crush, you know, said Ron. I won't tell anyone. It's manageable, said Draco. It's fun. I like having a crush on you. Ron laughed and knocked into him with his shoulder. I don't want to sleep with you, said Draco. I don't think it would be fun. I'm very fun, said Ron. You're very straight, said Draco. Yeah, sighed Ron. That's fair. Hermione, of course, had never brought it up in so many words, but in the office she and Draco spent a fair bit of time talking about how hot Ron was. It's because he's funny, said Draco. That's definitely part of the appeal, said Hermione, leaning thoughtfully back in her chair. But it's not everything. You know, I really think it's the red hair. Not traditionally considered attractive on men, said Draco. Hmm. But maybe that's why you like it, said Hermione. Subversive, in a way. Goes against your usual type. What's my usual type? asked Draco. You know, said Hermione. Dark-haired? Antagonistic? Draco balled up a piece of paper and threw it at her. What? said Hermione, batting the paper away with her hands. Come on, there was Xander and Andreas and Ollie. If you're not careful, I'm going to seduce your husband, said Draco. He's not my type, apparently, but I'm very fond of him. Ooh, I shiver in my boots, said Hermione, and Draco threw more paper at her head. All in all, flirting outrageously with Ron had proved a pretty solid coping mechanism. It had made him realise that his crush on Ron was largely just admiration and allowed him to move on, which was why Draco decided that it was probably an excellent plan to start flirting with Harry. It was an unmitigated disaster right from the start. Oh God, groaned Harry from his position on the floor of the sitting room. I found another box of exercise equipment. I don't know why you're so insecure about your body, said Draco, loud and haughty, like putting on a theatre play, casually flicking through a 1970s Playboy magazine. It's incredible. There was a crashing sound. Harry had dropped the dumbbells. What? Harry said. What? Draco looked up from the magazine, and Harry was now standing a little while away, looking lost and somewhat offended. His shoulders were very wide, and his arms strong, and his body was, in fact, incredible. The joke curled between them. I, I was talking to the... Draco swallowed, mouth dry. He held up the limp magazine, the centrepiece, an interview and a picture of an orange-looking woman with big hair. She was naked and laid out on a table. I was talking to the... He tried again at dinner. The thatcher had finished, and the new roof, along with the space that had opened up, meant that the house's regulatory heating charms spread very quickly that evening. The kitchen especially was sweltering. The windows had fogged up, and outside a sudden chill snapped like snow was underway. 
And while Draco cooked, Harry watched him from the bench and complained and complained and ended his rant with a, I'm just so hot! And Draco had aimed at casting an exaggerated grin and saying, Oh, I know, it's very distracting. Only it hadn't come out exaggerated. It had come out fond and true and far too soft. Harry went red and said, I meant, I meant... And Draco turned back to the dinner with annoyance and said to the sauce, Yes, yes, I know. Harry was much less fun than Ron in that respect. And Draco was less fun than he'd thought himself. It made him feel low, the prickly look Harry got, the tense way he held his face and made it all too clear that it was a joke, the idea of Draco saying such things. And Harry didn't get the joke. It made Draco's mouth taste fuzzy and spoiled. Dinner was a stilted affair. Harry ate quickly and didn't look at him and insisted on doing the dishes alone. After, he drifted off to one of the rooms, said, stammered unclearly, that he was going to tidy some more before bed. Draco was left with himself and a tattered edition of A Photographic Guide to the Moths of Great Britain. Draco considered flirting at night, but when it came down to it, he couldn't muster the levity. Harry's shin brushed his, or his breath puffed on the back of his neck, and Draco couldn't so much as breathe, let alone speak. Everything he wanted to say was desperately literal and not very charming. One morning, he woke up and Harry's hand lay heavy and possessive at the dip of his waist. He had touched Harry's knuckles, the curve of his wrist, gentle and wondering. He turned his face against the pillow and mouthed, fuck, and then the pillowcase tickled his nose and he sneezed, and Harry's hand tightened on his hip, just a little. One night, he stirred when Harry had turned into his back in his sleep and was pressing himself close to Draco with a breath of a moan. He was very hot and not awake, and the shape of his half-hard cock rubbed against the small of Draco's back. Draco had not moved in fear that it would stop, that the moment would end. It hadn't mattered. Harry took a sharp breath and had seemed to wake up just enough to mumble something that sounded like an apology and then turn away, curled to the other end of the bed. Draco had rolled over onto his front, hips twitching against the mattress, desperate and overheated. Eventually he gave up, slipped out of bed and went into the bathroom, took himself in hand, rough and annoyed about it. He imagined Harry coming in, asking him what he was doing, telling him he should have waited or asked, taking hold of Draco's wrist and making him stop. I'll decide if you get off, he'd say, and Draco gasped and came over his wrist, his palm. We should go into town to get you a bed tomorrow, Harry said the next morning. Draco eyed him narrowly. He was sleep-deprived and cross, and he kept thinking about putting Harry Potter's dick in his mouth. It was an infuriating week. I thought we were going to finish the kitchen tomorrow, said Draco, which he considered was a surprisingly rational response, given that his first instinct had been to pour his cereal on Harry's head, and his second to shout, Just sleep with me! Keep me! Yeah, but you must be desperate to get your own room back, said Harry. Once you buy the bed, you can move back in there. You know me, said Draco glumly. Desperate. In a truly petty moment of resistance, Draco claimed to have a headache the next day and refused to go bed shopping. And tomorrow I have dinner at the borough, said Harry, scratching his head. The next day we should really go into town, though. You're going to the borough? asked Draco. Yeah, I go twice a year so that Molly can confirm I'm not dead yet. Oh, said Draco. I've never been. Harry looked up, confused. They were in the sitting room perched on either end of the sofa. The room was nearly spacious now, just a few boxes left, piled in a corner. Draco had hoovered, had borrowed a hoover from Elsie. He told her in a hurry, Yes, Harry and I are clearing out some rooms, and Elsie had said, Oh, is that why I haven't seen you in a small year? And Draco had said, I'll bring it back very soon, and had left in a fuss. It had started snowing that day very softly. It didn't stay on the ground yet, just dusted the roads, and was gone the next hour, leaving the air grey and mottled. Harry said, How have you never been to the burrow? Draco shrugged. I think, I think Molly wouldn't like it if I came. Fred, you know. Harry's hand stilled in his lap. "'You think she holds that against you?' he asked. "'I don't know,' said Draco. 
I've never asked. But Ron's never invited me, so don't you think that's why? He had asked Pinky about the burrow once. Pinky had given him one of those strange, mingled looks he was so good at, sad and measured and thoughtful. Some people won't ever forgive you, and that's their right, he had said. Harry tilted his head, a lovely, youthful kind of gesture. Draco was struck by the realisation that he'd been here alone all these years, had lived all alone out here, bored and sad and angry. It hadn't seemed as bad when he still had the beard, when he still gave the impression of being ancient. But he wasn't. He was just a boy, a frazzled boy, an orphan boy with a quick blush, and a house, and a tendency to get drunk and order dumb things over the phone. Draco wanted to climb into his lap and stay there. No, Harry said. I don't think that's why. I'm sure Molly would love you. Draco looked away in a bit of a fright and said, Anyway, said, all in a panic, They're going to have a heart attack about your sexy new face. Harry just went red and went to the Tower of Boxes and tore open the top one. It was stupid to keep doing this, when Draco knew he couldn't deliver it properly, and he couldn't be that funny about it, and Harry didn't like it anyway. This morning in the shower he'd thought, what if he got so angry about it that he just pushed me up against a wall, and that had ruined his day. Did you ever want a robot dog? Because I've got one, Harry said. Donate, said Draco. Spoil sport, said Harry, putting Rover the robot into the donate pile. That night, Draco thought Harry was asleep when he spoke. He was facing away from Draco. I'm glad Ron made friends with you, he said. Draco was momentarily speechless. Me too, he said, eventually. He watched the shape of Harry's back, the sea of his spine. He imagined how he might fit against it. On his side of the bed, Draco remained very still. Before dawn, he got out of bed and had tea in the kitchen and watched the snow pad against the window, watched how it covered the old thatch mound and made it into a clean, unified hole. An owl tapped on the glass, requesting entrance. It was Hermione's, for Harry, some bewildered question about the amount of food she was supposed to bring. Was too much an insult or was too little an insult? Ron had already gone to the shop and wouldn't answer her messages. A mad giggle escaped him. Instead of answering her question, he wrote back, Draco here, I'm in great trouble. Appears I desperately want Harry and he does not want me. Please come and get me, Mum, this cannot end well. He sent it into the dark and immediately regretted it. He tried to assy her the owl back. It didn't work. He flew to Hermione in the study and shout-whispered into the flames. Hi, hello, sorry, it's very early. I just sent you an owl and please don't read it. I was only joking. It wasn't serious. It was a joke. I didn't mean it. Please don't read it. Hermione gazed at him, confused, her hair puffy around her, reading glasses on. What? she said, clear and crisp. Please, he said. She looked at him for a moment. What does it say? Ugh, he said and put his face in his hands. Draco, she said. What does it say? Harry had been nervous all afternoon about the burrow dinner. He kept drifting out of conversations and coming back with non-sequiturs, and Draco, for his part, seemed off and distant himself. He'd locked himself up in the study for most of the morning, the baritone of his voice humming through the door, Hermione's quick cadence of speech cutting him off a lot, sounding distant through the flu. An hour before he had to leave, when the house was growing dark and the snow made it feel even smaller than when it had been full of stuff, Draco considered him and asked, "'What are you going to wear?' "'Where?' said Harry." I mean, I'm sure you can just wear that, said Draco. Harry looked down at his holy t-shirt. It had a large picture of a crab on it. Underneath the crab was written, Ask me about my crabs! I should change, said Harry, decisively. I don't even know why I wear this. I hate it. Yes, take it off. You look much better naked, said Draco, flatly, sarcastically. They were in Harry's bedroom. Draco was lounging on the bed, eating salted almonds from a bowl. There was a tinge of misery about him, and a hard, unimpressed look in his eyes. Why... Why do you do that? asked Harry, casting him a quick look. 
who wanted to just ask it, just come out and ask it, matter of fact. Have you seen the paper? Could you pass the salt? Incidentally, why do you pretend to flirt? But it had come out unsteady instead. Obvious. I'm sorry, said Draco, sitting up on the bed. His mouth moved silently for a second, and he looked very frightened for a moment before he gave a cackle and a... <laughs> oh, I was just trying to be funny. Why do I do that? I'm sorry, I won't again. I mean it this time. It's not very funny, said Harry, pulling his Ask Me About My Crabs t-shirt off his shoulders. Draco had turned red. He looked to the side, gave Harry his profile. No, I, I know, he said. Then, in a lighter tone, You can borrow something of mine, if all your clothes have sexual innuendos on them. Harry didn't answer. He put on a plain white t-shirt and tried to comb through his hair. Leave it, said Draco. It looks fine. Fine, said Harry. They'll just be happy to see you, said Draco. He was propped up on his elbows, in the middle of Harry's bed. Harry had to get another bed. It was awful that Draco was still there, lounging, like he belonged there and wasn't about to leave the way he always did. The room was clean and smelled like Draco's soap. The flush was still high on Draco's cheeks. He looked at Harry and his knees slumped apart an inch, legs opening, feet sliding on the sheets. Harry nodded and said, I'll see you after. I'm sorry about, said Draco. It's fine, said Harry. Don't worry about it. The burrow was already dressed up for Christmas, though there was still a good month to go. It was very warm and crowded, and Charlie was visiting, sleeping in Ron's old room, it seemed, which had been the argument Harry walked in on, Charlie making fun of something he'd found under Ron's bed, and Ron insisting that even though it had been ten years, he was still entitled to his privacy, and Charlie wasn't allowed to tell anyone. Ron was casting muffling charms at him, chasing him around the couch, and Charlie kept on almost shouting out the secret, but couldn't because he was laughing too much, was losing his breath too much. Ginny cheered on the play from a corner. Percy tried to read a long scroll of parchment in an armchair, hunched down, waxy plugs in his ears. Molly shouted from the kitchen for everyone to settle down. "'Oh, Harry!' cried Hermione. She herded Harry into the room and called for Ron, and Ron, who was held by Ginny in a sort of headlocky embrace, disentangled himself and immediately came over. All of it was only a little odd. Hermione said, "'You've shaved! It looks wonderful! Not that the beard wasn't very, you know, manly, but—' "'It was getting a bit out of hand,' said Harry.' They both held on to one of his arms, pulling him further. "'Is this Draco's influence?' asked Ron. They'd taken him out to the corridor. "'How is he?' asked Hermione. Her voice dropped a notch. "'Are you being nice to him?' asked Ron. "'He seems fine,' said Harry. "'Are you sure you're being nice?' said Ron. "'Because sometimes you forget how to be.' "'I'm very nice,' said Harry, childishly. "'Of course you are,' said Hermione. "'He seems fine. What does that mean?' It went on all the way through dinner. "'You know, you have to be careful when you make jokes around Draco.' Hermione told him, as they tucked into Molly's shepherd's pie. "'Because sometimes he pretends he isn't hurt, when he is.' "'If he's being a twat, it's usually because you made him feel bad,' said Ron. "'I'm not making jokes around him,' said Harry. They didn't seem convinced, and every now and then Hermione would almost say something, and then Ron put his hand on her arm and she deflated and asked another inane question about Draco's moods. Neither of them seemed to have any concerns about how Harry was coping with living with Draco. In his space, in his bed, flushed and lovely and terribly and falsely flirty— a lie of a promise that was inching Harry towards madness with each passing day. With each morning, he woke up from a half-sleep fantasy where the irony had turned real and Draco's skin was soft under his hand. Almost every night, he had vivid dreams of fucking Draco into the mattress, holding Draco's wrists tightly over his head, his hand pinched at Draco's hip. They usually dissolved into nonsense, or otherwise Draco was suddenly gone, or, as had happened once, he began to laugh at Harry halfway through, saying, oh, it's just so funny that, that you'd think I'd... He'd always wake up before any kind of satisfactory end and find Draco, peaceful and asleep on the very far end of the bed. 
He insisted everyone let him pile their plates and went into the kitchen to angrily scrape the leftovers into the bin. That's when Ginny cornered him. You're not confusing him, are you? Because that's the last thing he needs right now, she said. Harry took a deep, shuddering breath. Confusing him? He's the one! His knife made a terrible scratching sound over the glazing. Fuck's sake, why is everyone so bloody? Molly called them back into the dining room. Harry clattered the plates into the sink. Ginny gave him a complicated frown that he had no energy to unpack. He wondered, as he sat down for dessert, when Draco became the precious one, when Harry became the one who damaged people. By the time everyone started to leave, Harry was distinctly pissed off. Ron took him aside for a moment as he and Hermione were getting ready to head home, and muttered some very unclear and disjointed sentiments about being sensitive of other people's feelings, which Harry took to mean it was about Draco. Hermione joined in, crowding into the group, saying, Please, Harry, just make sure that you're... that you're... He flew back to Grummet Cottage in a towering mood. Who the fuck did Draco Malfoy think he was, anyway, barging into Harry's life and stealing his friends, the only family he'd ever known, his house, all while callously flirting, making fun of Harry for wanting him? Draco was curled up on the sofa. He had dragged the last of the boxes out of the sitting room and lit candles everywhere. It was snowing softly outside, and Draco was wearing a pair of thick woolen socks, reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was one of the books Harry had bought in an attempt to stop being such a total fucking waste of space. It hadn't worked. Reading my books, are you? said Harry. Draco laughed and stretched out on the sofa. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be an effective person, he said. No, said Harry. I don't think you will be either. Draco straightened up, looking suddenly wary, and Harry hated that too. Hated that Draco lived with him, where Harry could so easily hurt him. Why didn't he fuck off if he was so fucking delicate, or at least step closer let Harry properly sink his teeth in? How was the burrow? asked Draco, carefully. Brilliant, said Harry. He picked up a vase of flowers on the chimney piece. These are nice. You've really made yourself at home, haven't you? In my life, I mean. You're drunk, said Draco, standing up. No, I'm not, said Harry. Why? You think I'd have to be off my face to say something like that to you? You think I don't really mean it? Draco laughed, a bitter, false sort of laugh. No, he said. No, it's nice to hear you be honest for once. Honest, said Harry. I'm not the one who's developed some conveniently adorable post-war personality. Draco laughed again. Harry hated it. No, you certainly haven't, he said. And I suppose you think I... that it's all artifice. Harry was tired. He wanted to go to bed. He wanted to be alone. I don't care what parts of you are fake and what parts are real, he said. I'm going to bed. Draco stared at him. His lovely carved face was pale. No, fine, I understand, he said. I'll leave. Tonight, if you like. I didn't say you had to go, said Harry. Not in so many words, but you've made it perfectly clear, Draco said. His face had twisted up very quickly all bitten up with anger, the way he had only ever looked at Harry. Really, thank you. I don't know what Ron and Hermione had to do to make you put up with me in the first place. They didn't make me do anything, Harry snapped. You're overreacting. You always overreact. Oh, Draco said. I do. Do I? Wonderful. Thank you, Potter. Why don't you tell me what else? You've always seen me so clearly, I suppose, always know exactly what's going on. I know you don't want to be here, Harry said. I know you're not planning on staying. You never stay. And you're making it my fault, so you can get away without having to feel bad about it. Draco laughed at the ceiling, a little wildly. <laughs> You're right, he said. I don't feel bad at all. Thank you, Potter. It's really been a wonderful time. His hands were shaking. There was a pause, a terrible pause, and just as Harry was about to speak again, Draco turned on his heel and raced for the stairs. Harry watched him go, speechless with anger for a moment, then followed, heart beating wild. He found him in the bedroom, shoving all his lovely neat clothing, all his crisp shirts and trousers and fussy little collars that he never bothered to button up anyway, gleaming over the clean hollow of his throat, shoving all of it into his bag in helpless disarray. It would crease, 
It was as though all of Harry's mess had got to Draco at last, had left him just as crumpled. Draco looked up at him for a moment and laughed, scornful, and said, "'It seems obvious it would end like this. What a ridiculous waste of—' Really, it's always such a wonderful time with you, wonderful all through school with you, just stamping me back where I belonged. And Harry, from the doorway, oh, and you didn't do your best to knock me off my broom and attack me with giant bloody snakes and break my nose. You don't need to remind me that you were the brave little hero and I was the nasty villain. I actually remember it perfectly well. And it's not that I blame you for never being able to get out of the habit, but... What? Harry demanded. What are you talking about? Nothing, Draco said. I'm not talking about anything. There's no point in talking about it with you, and in any case, we were 18, and teenagers aren't particularly well known for their ability to deal with... I don't think you want to talk about that, actually, Draco, Harry said, working very hard to keep his voice level, and Draco looked up at him for the first time. He straightened. His hair was messy all over his face, and his eyes were very cold, and everything about him reminded Harry of the empty bed all those years ago, the careless letter, those scrawled lines, sarcasm bleeding through the ink. Oh, but of course I'll come right away, right away. Your victim complex is impressive, but I don't think even you can turn that one into my fault, he said. What? Draco's voice was very crisp, very clean. I woke up and you were gone, Harry said, and Draco made a furious, unintelligible noise. Harry ploughed on. And, okay, fine, teenagers can't deal with... But I wrote to you. I wrote to you and you were so... You didn't... You thought I was... You wrote to me, Draco said, still in that very clear, sensible voice. I sent you a letter, and you sent me a joke. You sent me a letter, Draco said. And Harry realised, half a second too late, that Draco was furious. That Draco was angrier than Harry had seen him in almost all his life, and that was really saying something. And then Draco hurled his bag into the wall, and clothes and books were spilling everywhere, and he stalked towards Harry and yelled, voice almost cracking, Potter, that letter was fucking insane! Harry blinked at him. That letter was three lines long, and every line was completely crazy! Draco bawled. I showed it to Ginny. Harry's face flamed. You showed it to Ginny? It was the day of the funeral. Everyone was there, he said. And Harry couldn't remember what funeral, for a moment, who everyone meant. Not him, certainly. And then a vague memory hit him. Draco's father. The knowledge turned sour in his mouth, but Draco ploughed on, said, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't tell if it was deliberate. I couldn't show it to Ron or Hermione or anyone else, and I was going insane, too, and... And Ginny was just as fucking baffled, and she said she thought it was just a bad joke, and that she didn't think you would be so cruel on purpose, and so I sent you a joke back, because what else was I meant to do? I, I thought maybe at least that would be not, not unbearable if you let me in on it, and then you never replied, so I thought maybe you were that cruel, and I thought, I thought it was just a normal letter, Harry yelled, and started forward to meet Draco. It was easier to focus on that part than on the funeral part of it, the fact that Harry's letter, foolish, foolish, had arrived just that day. Not everyone is as, as posh as you are. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what to say. Hurry, Draco said, and he was still fuming, pale with fury, but he couldn't sustain the shout, and so his voice was long and lethal with malice. The letter said, Dear Draco, hope everything's not too bad. Sorry about your dad. Unrelated. Not sure if you remember slash think about it. The slash was particularly fucking ridiculous. Thank you for that. That cost me about 70 hours of my life. Harry was on him now incredulous and humiliated and desperate and draco looked down into harry's face and kept seething on even as harry caught him about the hips started moving blindly he wanted draco under his hands the only time draco made even a modicum of sense but that bit of fun fun that we had that night in eighth year was all right maybe it was all we were good at together draco continued and made a fist in harry's t-shirt shook him a little all right 
Anyway, I have a house now, and it's nice enough. Nothing like what you're used to, probably. But all I think about is putting you up against something in it. So if you're at a loose end, you should come by and let me. Best, Harry. The best really sold it, let me tell you that. You're making fun of me, Harry said, voice shaking. But I just wasn't... I'm not good at saying what I want. And Ron said I should just be direct with you. He said you always respond best when you just say something clearly. You're not clear, Draco said, wild-eyed chin tilted up to him, breath hot against Harry's cheek. You're not clear to me. I don't understand you at all. I don't know what on earth you're saying or doing most of the time, and I didn't understand why you were to fuck me around with your coming and going and then with that horrible letter after I... His breath hitched. After I... And I still don't understand what you meant by sending it. So if for some reason you still want to feel aggrieved about this, and you think you've been hard done by, then please, by all means, tell me what you meant, and I'll... I have a house, Harry said, voice low in his throat cheeks flaming, because he couldn't believe he was here again, trapped in the heat and depth of this feeling, how much he wanted. And it's nice enough, and all I think about is putting you up against something in it. And then he knocked Draco up against the wall, and leaned. Draco's hands were still fists at Harry's collar, and he hissed at the sudden pressure, pulled harshly, yanked him in. Harry held him close by the hips, kicked his ankles apart, stepped forward into the warm V of his thighs and rocked tight against him. Draco's breath stuttered out of him, hitched, and with a small yes, the angry pull of his hands at Harry's shirt scrambled and scratched, and his fingers were in Harry's hair, and his mouth was so near it was barely visible, just a blur of desire. Draco had been the first and last body that he'd been this close to, that had aroused him so madly like this, that had pulled him close like this, and here he was again, just as hot and real as ever, a gravitational force. And Draco, for his part, Draco clicked into him, a magnet, accepted the position with a soft moan, his damp mouth to Harry's neck, the jut of his jaw, the shell of his ear. Harry was rocking into him, against him, the pressure too little and too much, and each movement was a kick to the gut, Draco answering with a moan, with encouragements. Harry could feel him through the layers, the fabric. He was murmuring in Harry's ear, high and wild, choked off words like, uh, yes, at the pressure of Harry's thigh, rubbing close, and please, please, at Harry's frustrated grunt his restless hand under Draco's shirt, and tell me, tell me what you, tell. Harry put his face against Draco's throat, dragged against the soft skin, stubble catching. Draco clutched at him, panting, and Harry reached out and took hold of Draco's wrists and shoved them back against the wall with Draco, so Draco was spread-eagled and trapped beneath Harry's hands, his hips, the weight of his body. And then Draco went absolutely quiet. His eyes were trained on Harry, and something in his body went gentle and sweet and pliant, and all of a sudden he was Harry's again, caught as securely and surely as he had been that night in Harry's bed. It was such a lie, Harry thought. It was such a fucking lie, and when Draco looked blindly and lovingly at him, Harry tightened his fingers around the thrumming pulse in Draco's wrists and let himself fall for it, angry and terrified, again. Hurry, Draco said, his voice broken now, his eyes half-lidded, like he couldn't quite keep them open. His mouth was wet and shiny in the dark of the room. He said it again. Hurry! More of a keen now, an impatient sound, arching off the wall as best he could. Rubbing against Harry, aiming for him, fingers curling restlessly in Harry's hold to reach and touch lightly at the back of his knuckles. Harry could feel the twitch of Draco's cock through his trousers. He flattened him against the wall, allowing him no inch. Draco's head fell back with a thump. Harry stared at his mouth, open, his sharp corner teeth the hint of a tongue. How had that joke of his sounded? I won't have any choice but to make violent love to you. Harry ducked close, his lips a breath away, and Draco breathed into him, 
the both of them panting, lost on some bewildering edge. Draco made a small sound and tilted, trying for a kiss, and Harry let his mouth slip along Draco's cheek to his ear. He said, Turn around. Draco's cock gave another jerk against Harry's hip. Harry breathed on his neck, and Draco tried to keep a sound behind closed lips. Harry could see, hear the mad thrum of Draco's pulse. Could smell him, too. Clean and heated and sweaty, and aroused as well. Yes, Draco said. Harry let up his arms and angled away, letting up not much, but enough. Draco turned quickly, and Harry's throat tightened at the sight of it, the syrupy hum of lust clouding, closing in. He put his hands to the wall, a cage around Draco, and leaned his forehead to Draco's neck for a second, if only to catch his breath for a second. Then he put one hand to Draco's hip and slid the other into his hair, tightened it into a fist. Draco's head came off the wall to meet the grip with a gasp, and Harry fit himself to the curve of Draco's back, his legs, his arse. His hips stuttered. Fuck, he said, and Draco answered with a hapless, ah, and Harry let go of his hip and slid his hand down and palmed him through his trousers. There was a damp spot and another twitch, and Draco's moan came from behind locked teeth, tight lips, a hum of sound. He tried to move into Harry's hand and back against him, and Harry said, shh, and squeezed and said, shh, and used the grip he had on Draco's hair to gently turn his head, to press his cheek against the wall. Stay, he said, his voice rough unfamiliar. Draco breathed out shakily and made a tiny movement, a nod, his cheek never leaving the rough plaster, and with one hand Harry unbuttoned the top of Draco's trousers, opened the fly, reached in and flattened a hand against his cock, over the head, the slit, let the precum wet his palm. Draco sobbed and Harry pressed his face to Draco's neck and began stroking. The sound of it was intimate and terrible this close, and Harry's hand had never felt hotter, and Draco's breathy sounds had turned pitched, continuous, his hips locked in place between Harry's hand and his back. Harry's pace was fast now, his mind a blur, rubbing himself against the rise of Draco's arse, mouthing at his neck, the jut of his jaw. When Draco went quiet for a second, he whispered, Draco. And Draco, his eyes closed and mouth open and wet, said, Please, and please. And Harry said, What? He nipped at his jaw, his earlobe, pushed his hand down into the leg of Draco's trousers to grip at his thigh. What? What do you want? Fuck, fuck, what do you want? Hurry, he said, slurred, and opened his eyes, and they were all pupils, dark and heavy and cast down and sideways, trained on Harry's mouth. Harry kept his fist in Draco's hair, loosened it. He came close then, put his forehead to Draco's cheek and huffed and stilled his hand high on Draco's leg, holding to the thin skin there. The kiss was a sweet and soft contrast to the rest of them, to the state of them. Harry holding him hard and tight against the wall like that, Draco pliant and obedient beneath him, his flies undone, the singular shock of nudity, his erection heavy and full before him. Harry hadn't expected to find it familiar, the kiss. Hadn't expected to remember it. But he had, it seemed, he had. Draco's darling and plump bottom lip between his, the sweet way he kissed back, his breath hitching with every shift, like every part of it was a thrill, a surprise. Harry pulled back a little, and the kiss clung, wouldn't let up at first, and Harry had begun to stroke him again, slow this time, slow. And Draco put his cheek back to the wall, and Harry pressed his hips close, ground into him, said, yeah, like that. And Draco said, fuck, fuck, fuck me, please, Harry, uh, fuck. Harry's hold tightened, and his vision blurred, and Draco moaned. Yeah, Harry said. His face was a mess to the top of Draco's spine, and he fumbled, suddenly frantic, to get Draco's trousers down, his pants. 
Draco was restless under him, and the mantra had now stuck with him, and he was saying, Fuck me, fuck, Harry, fuck me, I... Harry groaned and pressed close, and then, I need to... Fuck, I need to get the... He glanced at the cabinet by his bedside. It looked very far away. He spoke into Draco's ear. Can you stay like this for me? His heart was very tight and very high in his throat, his ears, wild behind his eyes. He'd fantasised about... So often he'd... Draco nodded, gave a quiet, yes. He was breathless. Don't move, Harry said. Yes, said Draco. Don't. I won't. He leant back and let up his grip, and Draco stayed put, shaking, his hands against the wall, half naked and head in place and cock leaking and his skin red and patchy, blotched with arousal. Harry could barely take it in. He went to the cabinet and his hands felt useless, too big and clumsy. He found the lube, the condoms he'd bought one night in a pathetic fit of hope, and when he turned back, Draco was still perfectly in place, shivering, a tremble to his thighs. Harry said, fuck, and pushed a hand under Draco's shirt and jumper and ran it over the line of his spine all the way up until he held onto the back of Draco's neck like that. Draco's hand slipped against the wallpaper, sweaty, unsteady. Harry's other hand, covered in lube, found its way lower. Draco's mouth opened on a soundless moan, a grimace. Harry tried to remember it exactly, what they had done. He'd ran the loop of it so often, surely he'd recall every step, every move, how fast he'd gone, how quick from one finger to two to three, the warm inside of his body. It'd been so long, and Harry thought he recalled exactly how much he loved this, but he hadn't, not in full, not the broad truth of it, the heat, the sweat, the want in Draco's desperate movements, how he ground down against Harry's fingers, and then Harry's own dizziness, the sounds, the wet of it, the ache of how much he wanted to do, was going to do. God, look at you, he said, and looked at Draco, looked at where his own hand held him to the wall, at where his fingers disappeared. Jesus, he said, you're f- Fuck, you're- Perfect, he meant. But then Draco began to shake all over, and his neck moved under Harry's hand, and he said, Ah, please, no, please, please, please. Harry needed two hands for his jeans. It was near impossible. His fingers had stopped working. He got frustrated and grunted, and Draco watched it all with his cheek turned, hands neatly to the wall, not moving from where he was told to stay. But his gaze was hunger itself, and his skin had raised in goosebumps, and there was an obscene smear of lube down his thighs, down his legs. They both shuddered when Harry stepped to him, draped himself over him. Harry stood there for a moment, like that, the hot length of Draco's back to his chest. He was finding his footing, his sanity, one hand around the base of his own cock, poised. God... Draco breathed. He was still shaking. God, please, please, I just, I can't. He pushed himself back against Harry, gyrated, and Harry grabbed him with a firm hand at his hip and said, voice so raw it was barely his, stay. And Draco, moving and mindless and a wreck by now, said, yes, anything, just, you'll stay, said Harry. Yes, you won't leave, you'll stay. Never, Draco panted and sobbed and said, I'll never, never, please, I'll stay, I'll stay, just... Harry pushed in, and Draco thumped a fist against the wall, said, fuck, and Harry grabbed him by two hips, pulled back, pushed. Draco used the wall for leverage to meet the thrust halfway, and the next few minutes fell apart in a frenzy of that, of Harry not knowing where to touch first, how, putting his hands under Draco's shirt and palming his thighs and biting at his neck and thrusting, thrusting. And Draco, for his part, bending to every touch, tilting his head for Harry's mouth, rolling his back with each give, each take. He reached back to pull at Harry's hips, pulled him closer, faster, and Harry took both his wrists in hand and lifted them back onto the wall, kept them there, in place. 
Draco moaned and dropped his head and arched his back into a low dip. He was frantic, the look on his face like nothing Harry had seen before, his sweet mouth open and wet, dragging in deep, rough breaths. He looked completely gone. Fuck you, Harry managed, barely, his rhythm faltering, stuttering. So good, fuck you feel. Ah, uh, said Draco. I'm close, Harry. Fuck, I'm... Harry folded over him, one hand holding his wrists in place, the other reaching around, finding him, stroking him. Draco gasped and tightened, and Harry told him, Yeah, that's good, like that, and... That's right, feels good. Don't you want to come? Come, you can come. You can. Somewhere in the middle of it, Draco bucked so hard that Harry couldn't hold his wrists, and he released him and slid his arms around Draco's chest, his stomach, holding him close, his forehead bowed against Draco's shoulder, his mouth open. His shirt was damp with sweat. Harry could dig his fingers in and feel the line of Draco's collarbone, his hip. Draco twitched against him, fast, light little breaths, and he slid his hands up to Harry's forearm and held on for a moment. Harry was still inside him, his head reeling. He moved a tiny bit, couldn't help it, and Draco made a noise like he'd been undone, head rolling back against Harry's shoulder. They held close. After, Draco shoved him over to sit on the edge of the bed and sucked him off, fast and sloppy and perfect. He was still shaking, all of him shaking, his hands on Harry's thighs, his arms, his shoulders, his quick breaths exhaled through his nose. He stopped at one point and took off his shirt and jumper and continued on and Harry stroked his shoulders and down his back and held two fists of Draco's hair when he came, an out-of-body experience, the cresting of a heady lust that had been simmering for years, burning for weeks, setting fire to his life for days. When he came to again, he'd slumped back onto the mattress. Draco had fallen half over him, had his face pressed to the soft of Harry's belly. Harry found that his hands were stroking through Draco's hair and that he couldn't stop but it was so soft and lovely that he couldn't stop. Draco kissed the trail below his navel. Kissed his navel. Harry exhaled, looking at the ceiling. Draco stroked his hip and kissed the hill of the bone, too. Your hair is nice, said Harry, when he became aware of the silence. Thank you, Draco said, bright-eyed, crawling back up the bed to him. He looked young, though not as young as the last time Harry had seen him like this, eighteen and worn out and too thin, and still like a crushing disaster in a person. Someone leaning over and tapping him on the shoulder and saying, Oh, by the way, I'm going to be all you want for the rest of your life. Sorry. Now he was stronger, filled out a bit. His scars were very faint, and the tattoo on his forearm was like a blur of a bad dream. He said, I like your hair, too, although you should brush it more often. <laughs> oh, should I? said Harry. Yes, Draco said, half slurring. Harry had never seen him like this off his face with pleasure, and unguarded. And I like your mouth, and your face, and your shoulders, and your... your dick. Except his bravado faltered on the last word, and he was dipping down, his face against Harry's chest, his mouth wet and open. Harry pressed his thumb against Draco's bottom lip, and Draco opened his mouth and sucked on it. There is no way, Harry thought, there is no way I am not going to fuck this up. He felt as if there was something he ought to say, but he didn't know what it was. The further they got from the fervour that had burnt through them, the more difficult it was to know how to proceed. Draco was so out of it, which was hot and charming, and made Harry feel lazily good, proud and pleased with himself. But it also meant that Harry was on his own with this, and historically, Harry had not made the best decisions when left on his own. Draco didn't say anything else. He licked at Harry's thumb, touched his teeth lightly to the nail, nipped the pad of Harry's finger. He let it slip out of his mouth and nosed along Harry's palm. He fell asleep there like that, tucked half under Harry, and Harry was soothed despite himself, and slept too. 
That was Chapter 4 of The Bolt Hole, written by ADMI, Tepra, and Gala Placidia, and read by Gala Placidia. Tune in next week for Chapter 5. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating on iTunes, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? For more stories by me, head to AO3. I also have an Instagram, at letthemeatbooks, with underscores instead of spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.